Hey, creep. I want to tell you a tale, if you're ready to hear it. It may not be pleasant. It may not end the way you want it to. But this story is gripping and as fascinating as it is shockingly horrifying. Are you ready? My name's Cole, and you're listening to Tales. For all those people in the world who refrain from confronting the darkest moments of human behavior, Hello Kitty's only context in the world is that it's a joyful children's cartoon created in the 1970s in Japan and heavily merchandised all across the globe. But for us true crime creeps, it might ring a wholly more sinister bell. Some of you have undoubtedly heard of this case, while others may have not. Either way, let me introduce you to the heartbreaking tale of Fan Man Yi. Fan was working as a hostess in Hong Kong throughout 1999. For all those who don't know, when I say hostess, I'm not referring to the common job in the hospitality industry where often a girl too young to serve alcohol will either seat you or bring you water. The type of hostess we are discussing today is an entirely different job, and as far as my research can discern, originated and was popularized in Japan. As a hostess, it was Fan's job to be a companion to the patrons of the hostess bar she worked at. That entailed dressing up in a nightgown, donning makeup and showering guests in attention, praise, and acting like a temporary girlfriend for the evening. I just want to clarify that this job did not entail any sexual acts, nudity, or prostitution. It's a unique concept that monetizes loneliness. It's in some ways predatory, but more so complementary to the lifestyle of urban individuals who are just too busy for that companionship. If I were to draw a simple parallel, it would be like using Tinder for the sole purpose of light, enjoyable conversation over dinner. Up until that point, Fan had not had an easy life. She'd grown up on the wrong side of the tracks in Hong Kong, and it had taken its toll on her. In 1999, she found herself 23 years old with little money, mother to a baby boy, and to complicate matters in her life, both her and her husband were habitual drug users. But Fan was trying to keep the lights on, for lack of a better term, and flip her life around. But it was tragically too little too late for the young woman. 1999 was a unique year. There was divine optimism and pervasive paranoia as the new millennium approached. For some, it was the dawn of the digital age, while others dreaded the advent of Y2K and the inevitable coming of the Y2K bug. If you know, you know. And if you don't, well, you'll have to Google that one because it's an awful lot to try and summarize. But Fan wouldn't get the opportunity to experience the bad as well as the good of 1999 as the new millennium crept closer and closer. In mid-March of that year, a man named Chan Man Lok hired 21-year-old Liang Wei Lun and 27-year-old Liang Xing Chou to travel the fans home and kidnap her, which is exactly what they did. The two men forced their way into fans home and grabbed her, forcibly dragged her to Chan's residence in a Hong Kong shopping district. Chan wasn't a stranger to Fan. This wasn't some random kidnapping. This was the past rearing its ugly head 
to enact its revenge on Fan who strive to escape it at every turn. Two years before working as a hostess, in 1997, Fan was a prostitute. And there's nothing wrong with that. As you know from previous episodes, if there is one bias that needs to disappear from our culture, it's the dehumanizing of sex workers. In the past, Chan had often hired Fan for sex and companionship, spending the night with her and feeding her booze and an assortment of drugs not only to her, but all of her friends and co-workers as well. One evening, Fan stole Chan's wallet, which contained roughly the equivalent of 2,500 US dollars. Her theft didn't go undiscovered for long though. Chan caught Fan and confronted her about the money she'd stolen and to her partial credit, she paid the money back. But she wouldn't get off so easily. Chan was a member of the Chinese Triad Gang, a ruthless, murderous organization involved in drugs, gun running, and other shady enterprises. Chan demanded from her not only the money she had stolen. No, no, that wasn't it. He wanted his money back with interest. Chan was a triad member, not the Bank of America. Interest wasn't a mere 3% for Fan. No. Chan was going to capitalize on Fan's vulnerability and demanded roughly the equivalent of 6,200 US dollars in interest. And to pay off that debt, Chan forced her to continue selling her body to anyone willing to pay. And when the $6,200 was almost paid to full, suddenly Chan decided that wasn't enough she would have to pay him the equivalent of 10,000 US dollars in order for her to be free of him. So, two long years later, Fan working as a hostess, trying to elevate herself and clean her life up, was abducted because she couldn't pay Chan the $10,000. Chan had ordered her to be kidnapped, but not to be punished. To someone as inhumane as Chan, Fan was not a person, but a resource, and he planned to continue pimping her out and exploiting her for further profit. But that's not what happened at all. Those next few days took a sudden and dark turn, one that Fan Man Yi would not survive. Fan's last days were, well, they were brutal. Her captors took drugs, and while Hai began raping and torturing Fan, they degraded and dehumanized her by urinating in her mouth, and also forced her to eat Chan's girlfriend's feces. Fan's captors would take a lighter to plastic straws, melting them and dripping the molten plastic onto her feet, where blisters would soon appear and then open sores. She was strung up and beat with metal pipes, and in a bizarre and sadistic turn, they mixed chili powder and cooking oil together and began to rub that in her eyes, mouth, and open wounds. And then they forced her to drink car oil. Every waking minute of her last few days were filled with pain, caused by the sadistic actions of Chan and his cronies, as well as Chan's girlfriend, who, might I add, was a minor. She would lose consciousness from the pain and exhaustion periodically, and in those moments where her body found some respite from the agony, the men and Chan's girlfriend would play video games to pass the time and to stave off the boredom, before continuing again once she woke up. Because Chan's girlfriend was a minor, her identity and name were never released as public information, 
but her alias for court proceedings was Ah Fung. Ah Fung would later tell police, I had a feeling it was for fun. She detailed how she had seen her boyfriend Chan kicking Fan in the head over and over, totaling roughly 50 swift kicks to the back of the head and face. And then she too joined in in kicking Fan in the face as well. Ah Fung also later told police, They beat her all the time. They beat her when they were bored. She was broken and playing with her wasn't so much fun after that. But we carried on anyway. After all her tragic suffering, pain which I can't even begin to fathom, sadly, on April 15th, Fan Man Yi died of the inflicted wounds. But her death is not where this story ends. Creeps, my stomach is sick thinking of the ordeal Fan had found herself in. But what makes this tale so inflammatory, so inhumane, and the most shocking aspect of what happened to Fan is what happened after her passing. When Fan died, her captors were left with a dilemma. It was as if they hadn't thought that far, and given their sadistic impulse control, that shouldn't surprise any of you creeps. The big question facing Chan, his girlfriend, and their co-conspirators was, what were they going to do with the body? Well, they began by dragging her body to the bathtub, the easiest location in Chan's residence to contain the mess, and there they began to dismember her with a saw. Once her remains had been broken down into manageable parts, they boiled her body in an attempt to stave off the rot and stench. After boiling Fan's remains, they took her body parts and wrapped them in trash bags. They then boiled her head and removed her skull and began to sew that skull into a Hello Kitty pillow. Yes, you heard me right. They removed her skull and placed it into a Hello Kitty pillow. Chan also stuffed his fridge full of what remained of Fan's muscle skin and organs in Ziploc bags and her liver, heart, lungs, and intestines were placed on a canopy below the apartment. It was later revealed that this whole process took the group 10 hours to accomplish. To make things worse, as they worked to dismember Fan, they got hungry, as if the events were those of any normal day, just a set of chores that had to be finished. So they boiled a pot of noodles, right beside the pot where her head was also boiling and then they used the exact same set of chopsticks to stir both pots. Excuse me while I hold back a gag. One would think with all this carnage, with all of these horrible and presumably loud events happening in an apartment, that perhaps a neighbor complained about the noise, or a trash man came across the remains of Fan. But no, the murder was discovered because of a ghost. A few weeks had passed since the torture and subsequent murder, and everyone seemed to have moved on, except for Chan's 14-year-old girlfriend. In May of 1999, the girl known only by an alias, Ah Fung, went to authorities telling them that she'd been haunted in her sleep by Fan, who had been tortured and killed. The only way to get rid of her guilt, ahem, <clears throat> I mean the ghost, was to confess. So that's what she did. Ah Fung confessed to the torture and disposal of Fan's body. Initially, police didn't believe her. The story was, and I've used the phrase recently and I'll say it again, stranger than fiction. Investigators also dismissed Ah Fung because she was known to police, 
She'd left home at 13 and was known to have connections to the Triad Gang. This meant she was probably heavily using drugs, and that might have spurred some mental illness or delusional thinking. But all the same, investigators decided to follow up. The claims were too craven for them not to. When police arrived at the apartment, they found it completely abandoned and decorated wall to wall in Hello Kitty merchandise. Furniture, toys, carpets, curtains, and pillows. Chan had left, abandoning the apartment with a fair bit of his belongings left behind, as well as evidence. In the fridge, in Ziploc bags, were Fan's remains. Investigators also found a single tooth, and then they came across the pillow. In a Hello Kitty mermaid pillow, police found Fan's skull still sewn inside, a dark secret locked in a flimsy vault of cotton. On May 25th, with the help of the confession as well as the ample evidence found at the apartment, Chan and Liang Xing Cho were apprehended and charged. Liang Wei Lun was in mainland China, but was later repatriated to Hong Kong to face charges. Of course, all of the men denied having any hand in the killing of Fan, but they did openly admit to preventing her burial. The cause of death, though, could not be definitively ruled on due to the missing body parts, as well as the boiled nature of what remained. And sadly, because of this, the three men couldn't be charged with what they had actually done, which was murder Fan. In an immunity plea deal, Ah Feng, Chan's 14-year-old girlfriend, took the stand, testifying against the three men, going into detail about what exactly had happened. She also admitted to torturing Fan herself, and said that she hoped her admission of guilt would stop Fan's ghost from haunting her any longer. Altogether, the trial was a six-week-long ordeal. The name and nature of the murder alone from day one had set reporters into overtime working frantically to cover every possible angle of the case. Sadly, though, the jury decided that the defense was right, and that they hadn't directly murdered Fan, but instead that she had died from injuries from her torture. This allowed all three men to avoid mandatory life imprisonment. They did, however, receive a 20-year sentence, and if you've done the quick math, that means Chan, as well as his two co-conspirators, are already up for parole. While the three men did not express any remorse, nor did they apologize to the family, the impact of her death was felt heavily by the other residents in the building where she was murdered. Those residents claimed that Fan haunted the hallways, and as a result, all of the residents abandoned the building, and it was demolished in 2012. Despite the building standing or not standing, the stain will forever remain on Hong Kong's history. So, creeps, that brings us to the end of our tale. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, please consider becoming a Patreon member by visiting patreon.com slash talesbycole, where we release a Patreon-exclusive podcast weekly for Patreon members generous enough to donate $5 or more. If you have some time on your hands, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
They are so incredibly important in getting these stories out there. And even more importantly, every five-star review gets me one step closer to moving out of my mother's basement. You can also join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Tales by Cole. This episode was written and narrated by me, Cole Weavers, and sound production and editing by Matt Black. Remember, creeps, take care of one another, stay safe, and don't forget to lock the doors.